and I never looked at the round as sixteen hundred. I looked at it as six degrees that day. That's it. Yeah. That's all I ever did. Yeah. And then when that day finished, I was like, sweet. Plain sight, off we go again. Welcome back to Switched On, a platform for mob like you and me who are looking to learn and grow from life experiences in order to fulfill one's potential, becoming more switched on in the process. Enjoy the episode. Alrighty, fam. Hold on. Can you actually do it? You gotta do it. That was the tone. Alrighty, Sam. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Brooke, uh, for cracking on that one. Um, awesome. We're back in the booth. Another another potty this week. Woohoo! Um, Mr. Brayden Ainsworth, how are you again? Mate, I'm I'm very good. I'm very excited for this. Um, this is going to be an incredible potty, I think. Yeah, I'm more just excited to dive into the the training, the mindset, the life, um, pre and post this. Amazing effort um, that we'll, everyone will find about in two seconds. But man, I'm I'm buzzing. I'm so excited for this. Mm-hmm. How about you? Buzzing. Yeah, buzzing too, mate. Um, buzzing because we are joined. If you don't know already, if you could not hear it in the already fam, um, is Brooke. Is it Brooke Emma Rose or Brooke McIntosh? What do you prefer? Brooke Emma Rose. Yeah, yeah. You'll get that. Brooke Emma Rose, um, who just completed something out of this world. Um, running 1,600 kilometres from the north of uh, WA down to Perth um, and, with, and joining up with our buddies at 20 Talk and Bluetooth Project. So, good morning, Brooke. How are you? I'm super excited to be here. Super pumped to talk about the run, pre and post, how it's all gone now and share some insights and some stories. Absolutely. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, long, it's going to be a long party if we could extend it, but we won't. But it's... um. <laughs> Yeah, so much to talk about um, because it is an incredible effort. Um, but before we get into the run, before we get into all of that, Tom will start us off. And I'll keep talking. First question I always do in pod is what did you do to get switched on this morning? Did my daily gratitude. Yeah. yeah. Cool, what was that? Daily gratitude for today. It was for the opportunities coming out for support around me and for my coffee this morning. Beautiful. <laughs> We love coffee. S- sounds like right, <laughs> <laughs> love coffee. How about you, mate? Oh, what did I do? Um, standard, uh, like Friday morning, just like just on like my arm stack. So I'll just can't tell, can't tell. Got the pump on. Let's go. Um, that was yeah, it was fun to just like get the body moving um, in the morning before jumping the booth. So yeah, yeah, that was good. How are you, Papa? Mate, I uh, this is obviously what we're, we're doing. Some about ten thirty. So. And I was actually going to be cooked for the potty here today. Um, so I just went for a little quick walk out in the nature. And, um, mate, I am completely different in this for 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, that's how I just got switched on for this potty. But this morning, uh, I was the same, mate, the routine. Um, beautiful cold shower, actually, this morning, which is nice because the weather is uh, starting to turn it on lately. So yeah. it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. But just firstly, to let me to our listeners that haven't um, heard of Brooke before, um, yeah, we just want to get to know a bit more. So, yeah, it's like, so, um, are you a local Perth girl or were you born elsewhere? Yeah, Perth uh, born and bred. Perth born and bred. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, literally tell us about childhood. Tell us who Brooke is. Yeah, so, yeah, Perth born and bred, grew up down here um, from a massive family of nine. Um, I was kind of child who was always a little bit rebellious and um, wanted 
just wanted to go out on my own, do my own things. Very, very competitive with my brothers as well. Um, yeah, so grew up down here, high school, and then moved away up to the Pilbara to Karatha and then come back. Um, now turned little athlete. So my, bro- <laughs> my brother's an athlete. I always aspired to be like him. And now through what I'm doing, I can say that I'm an athlete now too. Yeah. Which is really it. cool. Let's touch on Karatha, right? Because I just um, got back from Karatha last week. So I was up there um, for a couple of sessions. It is hot. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> the but, heat just like, hits you as soon as you get off the plane. Like, open the doors, it's like, oh. And it's like, it was insane. But, and that's where you obviously you started the run and stuff, which we'll tap into later. But, like, what was it like growing up? Not growing up, but moving from Perth to Karatha? Because it's not. Like it's it's decent, and I know that it's decent because there's this is how I know for country town to be right. It's got a Macca's, a KFC, and a Hungry Jacks. That's when you know country town to be. Possessions has got one, and it's Macca's, right? <laughs> so I walk in, and I mean, we drove in. There's traffic lights, so I was like, okay, this place is actually pretty decent, but it is still small. Like the town is small. You fly over it, and you literally fly over everything. Yeah. that's the coolest part about the time town. I mean, you see like salt flats and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I moved there and I lived there for like seven years. Absolutely loved it. But the reason why I moved there is because when I was two years old, my dad was there. So my parents got a divorce when I was two. So my whole life I grew up going back and forward like one time a year. So Karatha has been home to me for many more years than seven years. But um, yeah, living there was really cool. Just having the outback and the islands, Dampier Islands. I don't know if you would have done that. No, we, unfortunately, we didn't go there, but I heard about it. Yeah, it's yeah. so super cool. Like if you love boating, camping, fishing, that's the place you want to be. Because you got it all, and then you got Macca's. I'm a Macca's Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what, yeah, because that's what the um the locals were saying. I was like, you know, what do you what do you get up to? Like, I was like, I'm not trying to sound, sound say this in like a bad way or anything, but I was like, like, you know, I walked around back to the whole town. I was like, what do you do? Like it's a little bit like restaurants, and they're like, well, because I was talking about mental health. And I was like, well, how do you get your mental health? And if you're not into that, and they're like, well. Like we, we love camping, fishing, motorbike riding, like all this sort of stuff. And he goes, if I don't have a boat, well, I know he's got a boat, so I'll just go out with him. Like, they just love it up there. Yeah, They're there's like, like three categories up there. You're either your drinkers, <laughs> your boat and camping fishing, or your gym. This is exactly <laughs> how I describe it. So, <laughs> like, it's so fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, and you still, you still love crafting? Absolutely. But, in saying that, the day that I ran out of there, I was like, catch you later, never come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it will always hold a place, but I don't see myself going back there anytime soon. So, tell us about growing up with no one sibling. Because that's. Wow. Yeah. That's it was big. the coolest thing ever. So, nine siblings, six of us, so six girls, three boys, and six girls all sharing one bedroom, all sharing one wardrobe. Like, it, it was cool. So, you had like. It was like a sleepover. Yeah. yeah, it was like a girl sleepover every single night. And then when we had our friends over, like we all got along really well. Obviously, we had our little bitch life here and there, but most of the time we all got along really well. How'd you go when you had friends over? Like, we've been really <laughs> Oh, yeah. mum, I'm having a sleepover this week. Like, we had one of them um, fold out couches in our room as well. So as soon yes. as the friends come out, we have to pull it out, and our room is just like covered in bodies. Yeah, it was <laughs> just full of mattresses everywhere. <laughs> it was cool, always like swapping clothes. But as soon as the weekends come, it's like, who's got this and mine? Who's yeah, taking this? Yeah. And mornings were just hectic in our house. Sharing the bathroom with seven people, it's just not, not, not <laughs> <That's> crazy, <yeah. laughs> 
like, when you talk about who's got this, I still got my brother's out, mate. Where's my jumper? Where's this? And it's only two in the house. So imagine nine of you in there. <laughs> Were you the eldest? No, I was number four. Number four, yeah. So, like, you know, dead bang in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you find being in the middle, like, middle child? <laughs> yeah, forgotten about. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, the middle child's just there, quiet, la di da And I feel like that's how I got away with a lot as well. Like, in high school, I was just like, yeah, I'll just cruise off, go do this. And mum never really found out some stuff that I got up to. Um, she pretty much knows everything now because I'm just like, hey, can't do anything about it. <laughs> Taking those lessons that I learned back then. But now it's also like helping my little sis- um, little siblings as well go through that stage because I'm like, I know what you guys are up to. I've been there. I've done that. Just for me, it's about creating safe spaces for them to come and talk to me about what they're going through, like what they are doing in school because reality is you're going to play out. You're going to make silly choices. But if I can be that safe space for them to come to and open up, I'm just like, yeah, no judgment. Yeah, because I'm a bit the same my sister. Like, I want her to be able to do the same thing. So I want to create that space where it's like, you know, I wasn't rebellious like yourself. I was a straight down line kid. You know, very <laughs> sensible. But, no, nah, like I, I'm the same because I know what it's like growing up in a country town and what we all do, right? You can get into the wrong things at the wrong age very early and you can have influences and from so many different reasons to fit in, to be liked, to, or even just to try things or an experiment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, to, it's, it's like that person stuff. Like, look, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to tell you off or anything. I might try and guide you and tell you, you know, not to do this and not to do that. At the end of the day, it's their choice. But to open that space, they can come talk to you and feel comfortable and it's not like, you know, you tell me you had a, a few drinks on and just snuck out of house and all that. Oh, Dad, this is what my sister's like. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. that safe space. You can still guard them. It's like, everyone did that as a kid, mate. You're all my pal. And, you know, like, when that age, it's so easy just to give into peer pressure and oh, anxiety sure. and all that that you do. You can get caught up in the wrong crowd. Like, looking back on my high school days, it was like I went through a crowd of drugs and alcohol and then all of a sudden I'm wagging school to go to the gym. And then I'm back in the crowd of wagging school to go to drugs. And I'm just like, for me, if I had a safe person to come to and open up about what's going on in my head or what I'm going on through life instead of just being like, or just use a gym to numb, or just use the drugs and alcohol to numb, like, that would have just made a world of difference. Um, so, I mean, having that rebellious background, as you talk about, and, like, going through that to make the person you are today, if you were to go back to, say, your 15-year-old self, what would be a piece of advice? Uh, to just start doing what I know was right in my heart. I was so scared for so long, and mm. I never had the confidence to follow what was in my heart. Although I knew what it is that I wanted to do, I knew what it is that the impact that I wanted to make. But because the world is so noisy, it was just covered in cobwebs. Yeah. So it took me until I was like 25 to actually unpack all that and be like, I look back now and I'm like, girl, 13 year old, you want to do that? Why didn't you start just then? But because to me, it wasn't seen as hashtag cool, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be seen. As too big, I didn't want to be seen as the outcast. I just wanted to do my life to fit in yeah. and to gain the validation from everyone else. Where it's like, you don't need that validation. So, just turned 25, you realise that? Mm-hmm. So, even if you're 10 years earlier, you realise. And yes. I'm a true believer that you already know what it is that you want to do, you already know who it is that you want to be as well. But with everyone else's opinions and kind pressure, you do forget. Yeah. And then it's like you get to a stage and you're like, wow, little me wanted to do that. Why didn't I just start then? 
So it's like peeling back the layers and taking out those cobwebs. So what do you think along the way to realise that at 25 helped you like sort of remember that or get to that stage, do you think? Overcoming the hardships and having to build the resilience within myself. Yeah. Um, support has been a huge thing. Like I felt like I felt like in life I lacked a lot of support from the outside. But I, yeah, I wanted that. So it wasn't until that I put my hand up a little bit further and got a little bit of support that throughout this run as well, I realised I've had all the support that I needed. Um, but in the moment of time, I couldn't say that. But the support, what I felt like was lacking, was actually just building the resilience inside of me just to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. What, are you, what were you chasing, do you think, as a teenager? Uh, my dad's validation. Yeah. Yeah. My brother's validation. Exactly. Your dad wasn't around as often. Yeah, yes. I was uh, it wasn't so much the validation, well, validation love center. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely chasing that because he wasn't around so much. I was like, I uh, yeah, I just thought I was unloved. So when they split at when I was two years old, that was when the belief was instilled of in me that I was unloved. And then it wasn't until I did my own inner head healing journey that I realized I actually am loved. He just didn't, wasn't in love with my mom anymore. So then going through that journey and even going through this run and stuff, I realised that my dad just shows love in completely different ways to what I actually needed at the time. And everything that he's given to me in life, every, the person that he is, what he's shown me, the leadership style, the hard work, the resilience, I wouldn't be who I am without all of that. And comes back to this run, like when I opened up and I told my family about it, no one believed in me. And post-run, I made a conscious effort. We went out for dinner and I made a conscious effort to go around the table and ask all my family members. I was like, what did, What was your initial thoughts on this run? And they all said, no, we didn't believe in you. We didn't think you were going to do it. And I was like, it wasn't for an ego boost. It wasn't for a heart told you so or anything like that. It was like, a, to me, it just cemented so much more. And then I went to my dad and my brother and chasing their love for 27 years of my life, I used to always think, like, what is wrong with me? Um, and then my brother said something really profound. He's like, I didn't believe in you, but I didn't believe in you because you had this grand plan. I knew you would do the training, but in the training I thought you were going to come up against an injury and that you're going to use that injury as your hardship in life and your adversity and you wouldn't be able to overcome it. And then you'd use that story to explain to everyone why you couldn't achieve the 1600k run. And I just looked at him, the whole table was just dead silence. And I just looked at him and I just had tears in my eyes. And I just said, thank you so much for that. Because to me, it reinstilled the fact that when you chase your own dreams in life, you'll make it and you'll do whatever it takes. And off the back of that, I feel like as hard as it was for you to do the run, and probably had that conversation, that would stop a lot of people. So you did get, so you, did you get injured on the way? Yeah. Yeah. And how long, did you have to have a bit of time off? No, I just kept running. Kept running. Because even in the training afterward, or whatever it might be, if it's a run, if it's trying to start a new podcast, <coughs> that one, you know, it's, that's, it. that's, that's their excuse. It's like, nah, that's it. Like, and now I've done a hamstring, I can't do this. Mm. Uh, or I've done this and now I can't do that. Like, it's big, right? And that's what that excuse is. So 
Haley's touched on that is sort of like a life man man of kind of wonderful. Yeah, that word. Yeah. It's like that one hardship, that one injury, that one setback, that one challenge then becomes the story of if that didn't happen to me then yeah, this is what I would have done. And to me I can see how many times I've played that story out in my life. Oh, we all do. We all do. And for him to to be so courageous and say that to me has just healed mine and his relationship so much. Like the week after I jumped on a phone call with him and we talked for like two hours on the phone. That never happens. And even my mum's just like, well, the energy between these two are just completely different. Like, because I realised who he viewed me as a person before this run. So who he views me now. And I'm like, he viewed me that way because I was just chasing the validation of everyone else. I was just chasing after everyone else's dreams and I was never actually going through my own dreams or like what it is that I want to do. Exactly that. It's like if you're actually truly chasing your own dreams in life, you won't stop. Like you get an injury on the run, so what? You want to keep going. I had food poisoning on the run. I was vomiting for a whole day straight and I still smashed out for the kit. Mm. I wasn't going to stop. There was nothing that was stopping me out there. So it's just different mindset. Than that. Yeah. But you went on that self-healing journey at what age 25 25 oh actually sorry i left a relationship at 23 and i feel like yeah that's when it started that's when it started how did it what kicked it off what did you learn in that biggest period of time <laughs> that shaped who you are now how much time we got <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so backtrack a little bit when i was 23 i left a relationship that i knew again i knew i shouldn't have been in that relationship i was in that relationship for five years Three months into the relationship, I knew I shouldn't have been there. But I was like, no, this is love, that's just whatever. Anyway, one thing for me is you treat, I walked straight away. So it was like the easiest walk that I ever had to do. But I was like, I'm just going to walk with a suitcase, nothing. And then to rebuild myself, I really just wanted to rebuild myself. So then I went traveling all around Southeast Asia. And again, drugs, alcohol, partying, all consuming me. But there was still something inside of me that was still going to the gym, still looking after my mindset. But I was still, again, numbing the deeper issues with the drugs and alcohol. Come off a scooter, come back to Perth, two weeks in hospital, healed all that part. And then I was like, there's just still something more in life. And it wasn't until I went to my first ever breathwork session that that's where I tapped into the unloved piece for that stem when I was two years old. But I was just like, hooked. I was like, wow. What are these stories we keep telling ourselves? Why do we keep limiting ourselves with the outside shit? Um, so that's where my healing journey really started was when, yeah, 25 years old, went to a breathwork for the first time. It's that trauma that we hold on to. And a lot of it comes from something that's happened early in our life. And we hold on to it, we hold on to it, hold on to it. And it isn't until we let go and relieve things that is like, it's like a weight really lifts off your shoulders. But it gets rid of them and you can actually start to live by the way you want, the person you want. Because it's big for you obviously leaving that relationship, starting breath work, but it, I mean, I'm going to assume that, that the relationship you stayed in because you wanted that love, validation, because you're still chasing that. Yeah. And then once that happened and then you went on this trip and then you did the breath work, you were like, okay, this is what actually happened, this is what I'm chasing, and that's when I really found out. Yeah. It was so important, I think, to find, to deal with that trauma, whatever that was for you, because you can't hold on to it. And that's when so many of that problem 
and that illness has been our sicknesses and all that. No matter if it's a stress, flu, cold, or a really bad mental health issue, normally there's an underlying trauma that's attached yeah. to that one. Yeah. That's amazing that breathwork gave you that. Mm, it was, and after that, it was like three days I never did. And then after that, again, I just called my dad and I just said, Dad, I love you so much. Like, I'm sorry for everything. I didn't know what I know now, but I fucking love you. And I know you never left me. I know you're doing your best possible thing ever. Talking about love languages, his love language is given, right? So whenever I was with him as a child, he would give us the world. But then because he wasn't there all the time, to me it just felt like I was left out. And then huge realisation on my run was my dad's actually been there for me through every major life event. But because he isn't showing up every single day to me, I just forgot about that. Yeah, that love language is so important, I think, too. So I, I, actually, I've been corrupt. I had a great chat. He's one of the one of the blokes up there. His uh, partner was a psychologist, right? And um, we're having a good chat, and we're talking about gratitude, and you know, talking about kids' days, because you know, nowadays it's you don't sit around the table and have dinner with your family. You don't. Everyone's on their phones. You don't talk. And how was that? How was your day? Yeah, it was good. How was school? It was good. Where they sit at the table every night together, have dinner, and it's got to the point where the kids are like, "So, Dad, what was three good things in your day today?" Nothing. This sort of thing. They're five and seven. And um, I'm hearing that, and I'm like, so mate, like, you're working ten hour days, five days a week. You're the like project manager, guy, like the boss man. It's going to start to be 35, 40, 45 degrees up here. Like, how do you get home at time, and how are you going to do all that and manage that? And he goes, well, I know what my kids want. We have a conversation about this is what I'm going to be doing. What's coming up? This is you've had the conversation like two weeks ago, so. I'm going to be tired at times, but you know my love. This is how I'm going to give you my appreciation, my love. And at times, I'm going to be able to, have to step back. And I, he told his five and seven year olds this, and he, and he went into a bit more detail. And I was like, imagine what if people, for one, sat down and had dinner with everyone, but actually opened up to their kids and were like, all right, this is what's happening at the moment. This is how we show our love. How do you want us to receive love? Because it might be like, I might be a gift giver like that, like that or it might be just quality time, like whatever it might be, but actually opening up and sharing that with kids, no matter if they're 5, 7, 15, I think it's really like, powerful stuff. And don't you agree that it makes our job as humans easier and it makes your job as humans easier because you can't read my mind? Yeah, so, definitely. But we think we can, though. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, oh, and then we get pissed off because they don't understand. It's like, why don't you understand me? You're yeah. like, communication, babe. Exactly. <laughs> so you would have said that your love language would be quality time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Quality time and like everyone's on their phone nowadays. So yeah. I'm like, if I'm hanging out with someone and I want quality time, it's like phones off. Yeah. Sitting down at the dinner table, no phones. Because there's time, you can be having like a whole week with someone, but then if you're still stuck on your phone, checking socials, checking business or whatever it is, it's like that's not quality time. Mm. Yeah, so true. Man. Yeah. But quality time, I don't know, how, how long were you away for exactly? <laughs> 28 days. Oh, 28 days on the run away from Perth. 32 days. Yeah, love quality time. That's one bloke with me the whole time. Yeah. How'd you get there? Yeah, that was. Other than <laughs> a few people that joined in on the way, the trucks on their horns and. That was. Um, face dance, but how was that? Talking about communication. That is where <laughs> I had to learn to communicate what I need, like in the moment and the night. 
because you think about it, like we had a caravan, we stayed in the caravan. He was in the um, top bunk and then I was in the king bed, obviously, in the space. <laughs> but to wake up to someone every single morning, like right there, and then to go out on the run and then come back and the same person is right there, like I'm so grateful. Don't ever get me wrong about that. So grateful for what he's done and the help that he's given me and everything. But being in someone's space 24-7 or, well, I guess it wasn't 24-7 because then I was out on the run, but having my nervous system so high to on the run and then come back to the same space, it was so hard yeah. that there were times where I was just like, I just don't want to see you. I'm sorry, yeah. I love you, but I just don't want to see you. Like, but our friendship grew out of it too. Who, who was that, sorry? I'm my good mate, Rowan. Yeah, so yeah. I met him in a business leadership program and then I was just like, yeah, we'll just become really good friends. And I was like, his leadership style is what's going to be able to put up with me on my run because had I have had family there, had I had friendships there, that would that relationship wouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. Because looking back, I was an absolute diva. <laughs> and I'm like, did I actually say that to someone? Like, did that actually happen? Yeah, because your emotions are so heightened out there and I just did whatever it took and he had the patience. I would have loved to have like had because you, you did record stuff, you video stuff and that, but like that you know how you have the behind the scenes stuff like So there was this one day, talking about behind the scenes, one day my best friend Taylor can't even believe I did it. But so our routine was like, I'll run 15 to 20 Ks and then I'll stop, have a big feed and then hit the road again. That morning I said to him, I'll always start the morning for two hash browns and chocolate milk. But I said to well, him. On chocolate milk, <laughs> hash browns, like any in particular? No, just yeah, whatever. Any chocolate milk in particular? Um, yeah, browns with a little dash of salt. But salt enhances the chocolate. Yeah. Ooh, I'm trying to do it. Yes. <laughs> Not too much salt. But just <laughs> everyone, really. Everyone's like, that. No, it's chocolate milk better this one, but I was just curious. Big <laughs> Um. Yeah, so then we started the day and I said, so I had that for like my little pre-run snack. I said, I want pancakes for breakfast, knowing good well my best friend Taylor was bringing out pancake mix. He was like, yeah, sweet on it. And then so he drove up 20Ks. I got to the 20K mark. Him being a good bloke, used his initiative. Taylor wasn't there yet, so he made me bacon and egg wrap. And he's like, oh, I got you a bacon and egg wrap. Taylor's not here yet. Taylor pulled up. And then I looked at him like, nah, not going to eat that. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> Taylor, well, there's your brekkie wrap. And I was like, I'm not going to eat that. I want pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, well, Taylor's just pulled up, so I thought you wanted that. I was like, no, nah, meet you in 10 k's of the pancakes. Off I just get running. Nice. He's <laughs> just like, nah. Meet you in 10 k's. And then the next minute he's driven past me, gone up 10 k's, pulled out the whole camping kitchen again, set up everything up and made me pancakes. <laughs> all on a pancake. Honey. Honey. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So all you want, how many pancakes did you eat? Like four. <laughs> Still, it's tough. I'm not like a full pancake, honey, and that's it. That's where Taylor goes. No, I would have told her to get F, and I'm like, yeah, it was a different breed. And but I learned to listen to my body a lot out there. And another time was like, my body was literally crashing. And I told Rowan three times in a row, every like, this was in the 40 degree days as well, every five days, I was like, I need oranges and I need a wet shirt. We were doing, had that on rotation. And then I told him the second time, oranges, wet shirt. But, and he kept missing the oranges. And then on the third time, he missed the oranges again. And I just yelled out, get the effing oranges. <laughs> <laughs> and he was sitting by the car, just waiting there with the oranges. And I was like 50 meters away. I was like, run them to me now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could feel my body crashing from the sugar. Yeah. Like it really just needed sugar. So then I had the oranges and he was walking with me while I was eating the oranges. And then I was like, I need more. So I looked at him and I was like, I need the other can of Coke. And then he looked at me and he's like, 
I drank that one. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh you're about to explode, oh, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, what he had to put up without it and the deep attitude and everything was good. But at the end of the day, I always just said, like, hey, man, thanks so much for the help. Like, we yeah. And then new day the next day, wipe the slate clean. And, yeah, we went. All right, so I started diving into this run. So I want yeah. to go. I want yeah. need to wind back before <laughs> yeah. we get Sorry. Otherwise, we're going to keep going. So what initiated the run? What is the run? Actually, first, just give us – I don't even have to start this. Like, give us what initiated the run, why you did it. Or why you set out to do it? Yeah, so what initiated the run was, well, the run itself is called Impact or Ignite, running 1600Ks for awareness and mental health, 60Ks a day for 28 days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue now. Yeah. Um, so, what happened with the run, it all come about, um, yeah, like I myself had suffered my own mental health when I was 12, and then again when I entered the FIFO space um, in the mining construction industries. I realised how alone and isolating it is out there, especially being a female on site and the different challenges that we do face. Unfortunately, I dealt with sexual harassment and sexual assault on site too. Um, so having to step away from that and I was just like, every day I would go to site and I'm like, what intention is my day today? Like, what intention do I want to bring this? Every single day it was just holding conversations with around mental health with one of the guys. So I was doing that for years on end. Got to the point where I'm like, this is just one good day. Like, I want to have a bigger impact. And then August last year, I was going to, to a school to do a talk for year 12 females. And I was on my way there and I was just, that three months leading up to it, I was just hitting dark spot after dark spot, questioning everything. And I was like, questioning my worth, questioning why I'm living here, what it, it is that I didn't want to do. It's going down this really dark hole. And then it got to the point where I was contemplating suicide and I'll be driving on the highway, driving on the freeway and like in down south amongst like all the windy roads and stuff and like what happened if I just do it, like just take my life yeah. And then it wasn't until I was going to that school that day, my head wasn't there. And I missed a turn and I smashed into a concrete bollard on the highway going hundred Ks an hour. And then a triple semi trailer come cleaning up going hundred Ks an hour as well. So to get hit twice and I jumped out of the car straight away. It took me for a ride and I jumped out of the car straight away and I ran over to the truckie who hit us, said, I'm so sorry, man, it's completely my fault. Like, how are you checked on him straight away? And then I got taken to hospital. There were like 10 doctors sitting there waiting for me. All they know is high-speed crash, critical. Um, but, yeah, I'm lying on this hospital bed and I'm completely okay. That's, like, yeah. physically completely okay. You just, like, got out. <laughs> I'm not laughing to spend it, but what I'm laughing is you just hit a bollard. You've just been cleaned up by bloody truck, and the first thing you do is get out and run over and see something. But yeah, and the, like I got out before other people got out of the car. Oh and God. then ran over to the truck and I said, I drive trucks for a living too. Like, fuck, are you okay? And he was just like, looked at me in shock and was like, uh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, and then to go to the doc, like to go to the hospital in that condition, all the doctors are like, how are you still here? Like even looking at the mess. Sort of a halo. I've yeah. Seen the photos, like, and I didn't know that you had nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with me, and no one else had nothing wrong with them as well. Like yes, we're gonna have some shock and everything. Um, that's that's you're gonna get that, but no one was physically injured. I was like, there is someone looking down for me, but it was that day in the hospital bed that I was like, you know what it is you want to do. You want to create an impact. You want to create an impact to ignite others to speak up about their mental health. So. 
was in that moment and then I went back to work the week after and I was just like, no, you're doing this. Like, you're doing this run. I was laying in my bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and I just messaged two people, one being my brother and another one being a really good mate. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And then it just all fell in from there. He's like, you need a running coach, you need strength coach, you need to do this. And it's just like action step. So, oh, so, this, so that was back, this is way back when you're already planning to run, like, all the way back then. Yeah, so the car accident wow. happened August and then I didn't speak the run into existence until October. And then I started training in November. Yeah. Last year, yeah. This is the summer last year, awesome. So like yeah. nine months worth of hard training to get to that. Yeah. And the training was intense. It was like 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Running, strength training, chiros, recovery, eating. What was, yeah, that was a week, like real quick, like what was like a week sort of like? Uh, like three strength sessions, three recovery sessions and 170 days. So were they? 170 days a week? Yeah. Of running, yeah. Were they yeah. across like you know five days or three days or seven days? Seven days. Yeah. yeah. So you ran every day. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'll catch up with friends. What have you been doing? Just running. <laughs> For- Forest gumping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like so. Where'd you run today? And what would that work? Like? Um, work for myself. So I was working around the clock. Yeah, because yeah. of the we'll get into that. So yeah. So because I was still five when I started. Touch, touch on that. What do you do for work? Um, so I'm empowerment coach, do mindset coaching on and offline. Mm. So we'll put all that later on, but yeah, touch on that as well. Um, so you feel like you always wanted to do that, like empowerment coach, like you're always very absolutely. passionate about it. Yeah. And then I guess the age ties back into it too, because the comparison piece from the outside world is like, no, you're too young to be doing that. Like what life experiences do you have? And now looking back, I'm like, actually, I know a lot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I made the decision in January this year to leave FIFO full time so I could change so I could do this because I was waking I was going to work, waking up two o'clock in the morning, going for a twenty K run, then going to work and then going to do my strength session after work and then sleeping for five hours. I'm like, I can't sustain that. If I want to achieve this goal, something needs to give. And I'm like, I'm sick of giving everyone else. Um it's time to, for me to chase my dreams. Mm, yeah. Mm. That's a like that's once you quit, like that's a pretty big day, so I have to be training Jimmy recovery like what was your mind going to my mind was just like this is what I've got to do and even my best friend speaks on it if I say I'm going to do something and it's true to me I'm going to do it like there's yeah. no stopping me the hardest part though was setting the boundaries with my friends and family yeah. Yeah. and missing That's out good. on those things and because no one believed me at the start they thought that I'll, oh, I was always going to, going to crumble so and give in but yeah I was just like, I just had to be super strict and just be like, no, I've got to train this time, I've got to do this this time. Just the discipline and the motivation and the drive to just in towards that, like, that's so internal, yeah. right? Like, oh man, I just can't even fathom just like how you built, managed to build up to that. And it's like, if you keep ex- looking for the external validation, you ain't going to do it. Mm. It's like everything has to come internally and I reminded myself every single day of my life, even in my training phase, when I was going on my long runs, I would always have a mental breakdown. Mm. But on the other side of the mental breakdown is always a breakthrough. Yeah. So when I was going through my mental breakdown, like running, crying my eyes out, like it's crazy. I'll just be like, no, this is why you're doing it. You're doing it because this is a dream and you want to create that impact. So important to back to your why, right? Absolutely. So I love how you just touched on your why, tying back to that, the setting those boundaries. Like, you know, and some people aren't going to accept those boundaries, especially family, your best friends, whatever it might be. It's like, 
one in the country, it's one young human student somehow. I do this and I do that. No matter what it is, if it's a run, if it's work, if it's a job, whatever, yeah. your career. And but, if they don't benefit from that, well, they're going to have a problem with it. Is, yeah. that, like, is that the case where you want to corner anyway? No, not at all. So, I'm yeah. So, yeah. So, even, I'll just yeah, go back. Um, what location did you actually start the run? Uh, the Blue Tree in Dampier. So, yeah. funny story, I was going to start at McDonald's because um, <laughs> I'm a Mac's kid at heart. Yeah. And then my dad left Karatha at the start of this year and I was like, well, I'm going to start at Blue Tree then. So, cool. I'm stoked that we started at Blue Tree. So you started that one and you finished that one. That? Yeah. yeah. And the next one I'll start at the same Blue Tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it goes from Dampier all the way around. Down to Esperance, down to South Australia, up to Byron Bay, and all the way around. I'll, fin- I'll um, always finish my runs in there. See, that's a, that's a trip around. She's like, I was just running around, but there's something <laughs> going on here. <laughs> the run, let's, let's go into it. So, obviously, training was hectic, um, recovery, diet, everything. But in the run, like, average. Kilometers a day because some people won't know, like days off. Like, yeah, averaging and, 60 k a day. How many days off? I had two days off. Yeah. Days off. But you think about it, I had two days off, but that was just like cleaning caravan, getting food prepped, organization for yeah. the next time. And you're not seeing anything on the run. So, like, what's it's really internal, right? It's like Tom touched on before, like, a lot of it is internal. So, yeah, like, you would have, there would have been stages where you, you're just running. You see a hill, I've seen those in the videos. Like, you see a hill, the truck will give you a honk, but then it's like, it is. Do the vast landscape at WA. Yeah, it's like 35 <laughs> degrees here. I've still got another 35 days to go. I'm on day six, and I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no one realizes how vast WA is. And it wasn't until I put those drone images up that, like, whoa. Even someone goes to me, where to go to the toilet? And I was like, well, <laughs> if you've got to go, you've got to go. And if someone says, well, happy days to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, out there, I pretty much experienced it all. And another thing is that I didn't wear headphones throughout it all as well. I wasn't going to do that, but it was at the fundraiser in Karafa. Some different dude comes up to me and he's like, your run is going to be epic. And then I also hear that you're not going to wear headphones. That's crazy. And I was like, I don't know where you heard that from, but... Challenge accepted. That's incredible. And when I heard that, that you didn't use headphones, literally, like, I think it was last week, I was uh, watching some time on TikTok, and I'll save all those motivational things. And so that's like my feed now. One come up and said, if you really want to put yourself to a mental challenge, walk on a treadmill and incline for 40 minutes or whatever, no headphones. <laughs> like, if you're just starting out, and I was like, that's like literally so true. Like a treadmill walking slowly in a gym, just walking like how boring would that be? Because mm-hmm. that's when and he goes, if you want to like do that and find a bit out about yourself, like I, mean, I don't know how long each run took. Obviously, it did change depending on timings and stuff. But what was there a common theme? I just want to see there's something common that kept popping up in your head because you would have had so many thoughts and imaginations, and you probably would have been delirious sometimes too. But was there anything that like kept popping up? It was literally just one more. Yeah, one, just one, one more. more. Yeah, one, one more K. Like, uh, yeah. Almost, yeah. So I've used that mantra to get me through life. Like through my darkest of days, I would just say to myself, "Just hold on for just one more day, and a brighter day will come." And mm-hmm. I did. 
And then throughout the whole run, I was like, just one more, just one more day, just one more step, just one more breath. Yeah, just, just one, one more jogging. Okay, just one more jogging. <laughs> yeah, you keep breaking up, hey. Yeah, and I, bits. and I never looked at the run at 1600. I looked at it as 60 k's that day. That's it. Yeah. That's all I got to do. Yeah. And then when that day finished, I was like, sweet. Clean slate, off we go again. So what time was um, start and finish normally roughly? It was crazy. So um, I wanted to start all the runs at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock or so. So that gives me a good, decent feed in the morning, time to do my routine and stuff. But as soon as we got to Karate, it was like 43 days. I was like, this is mm. nuts. How am I going to do this out here? So the first day, absolutely cooked it. Didn't know any of my foundations. And the first day was just proper write-off. Still did it, but it was hard out. Yeah. So then I was like, well, it's really hot. We've got to get up a bit earlier. So we woke up at 3.30. We got on the run by 4. And we did that for three days straight. But the runs were just taking me like 10 to 11 hours. And I was like, this is not normal. So mm. then after the fourth day of doing it like that, I called it. And I was like, I need more sleep. So then I had more sleep. And I didn't start the run again until 8 o'clock the next morning. So I had a proper solid night's sleep. It was like 41 degrees that day. And I smashed out 70Ks in less time than it was taking me to do 60Ks. So you kind of just had to get the bearings right the first couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. And again, stop listening to the outside world because yeah. like, I know my body, I know what it's capable of. And even with, so in my training phase, I was training my body to eat while I was running. Like I'll be running down the highway eating a bacon egg muffin. <laughs> Whereas other people would be running down the highway having gels. But because I wasn't conditioned that way, um, I started having gels in the first half of the run because it was so hot and I was losing so much electrolytes. So I was like, got to replace it. My gut was just turning hard out. Yeah. And then on day four, I was just like, nah, do what you know. Like, stop trying to overcomplicate stuff. Do what you know. Run with food. Get up at your usual time. And my body just adjusted to the temperature. Yeah. Which is climatized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was the morning routine and night routine then? Because it would have been, like, pretty, like, I guess, important, like, really important. Mm. So run us through, if you're allowed, like, if you can. Yeah, morning routine was like seven alarms going off to get me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the seven ones didn't get me out of bed, so I roll and shake my face and wake up. <laughs> Got to get up. Um, but then I would, yeah, strap my feet. Man, the blisters out there were crazy for the first two weeks, so I'd continuously have to strap my feet. But gratitude always played a massive part and mirror talk. Um, one of my non-negotiables was to have a mirror in the caravan, um, and I would talk to myself every single morning, just have a little spill, a little pep talk myself up for the day um and then it was always two hashies two hash browns chocolate milk and then um exercises to get the muscles going like glutes activated quads and stuff and then yeah the pavement and yeah. we've got all the staple alrighty fam yeah the <laughs> that's the one that's the one yeah. Yeah. so aside from those yeah the first couple of days we had to get the bearings like you just mentioned what like region or part of the run would you consider to be the hardest part gas going Gas yeah. Yeah, why? Uh, the community. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was like the nicest weather to run through, but the community support wasn't there. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Because that's surprising. Not as in, I, I don't know anything about it, but cause you did have a lot. Like, people were like random giving you gifts, leaving you stuff, like at bakeries or wherever it might be. Like, like painting me signs and everything. I thought that was like, incredible. So that's that that would have helped a lot. So that's Yeah, that's and then cool. it was like as soon as we got to the gas going, I was literally every single day I would always give ways and then there was this one day where I'm like, I am so bored, like what am I gonna do today? Obviously run. And then I just counted every single wave that I give 
and I gave like 560 waves that day. <laughs> Do you know how many waves I got back? Like 200. Yeah, okay. And just I was through just, that Gascoigne region? Yeah. Yes. Oh. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, Australians, where's the Aussie wave? And like, there were some stages yeah, where... Yeah, it's good to get the yeah. little couple fingers, you know? Yeah. And then some days I was just like, let's just take the piss and do like a massive two-handed wave at them. Sometimes I wouldn't even get anything back, but I mean, <laughs> it gave me enjoyment and yeah, <laughs> kept me entertained on the run. Yeah, there's nothing worse. <laughs> even like when you just like give way, like say in Perth, like on the car, you just like, yeah, cheers, mate. And then they don't give it back. You're just like, yeah, right on. Like, you feel rejected and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Especially in, on the way, if you drive to Esperance, right, depending on what way you go, the waves are. It's literally called you are entering the waves are. Thanks for st- thanks for driving through the waves are. If you don't get a wave, if I wave and you don't get a wave, oh, you're so annoyed. Like, it's just like a common. And to thing. me, like tying that back to mental health, what came through for me out there was like every time I gave away, it made me feel good. Yeah. But then it's like, how nice do you feel when you get acknowledged just yeah. by a simple way? Yeah. And to me, it's like sometimes in life, it's not that you want help or anything. You just want to be seen. And I was like, well, I'll give away because I don't know what he's thinking, but if he just knows that someone sees him today, yeah. it could just be a little glimmer of hope for him. Mm. Um, yeah. But the waves that I got back through that region, I was like, come on, Gasper, and leave again. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about the community then. What was it like when you did receive these things? so good for me it just reinstilled everything like i remember there was a day that it was such a hard day and i was literally having a full-on cry like while i was running and stuff and i was like i never there was no point in time where i ever wanted to give up but this day was just super hard i was just like is this ever going to end and i was like just having a full mental breakdown and then all of a sudden this truck and i was running up this hill all of a sudden this truck comes down the hill and just like toots on the two-way and then jumps on and it's just like good job chip we seen you the other day you make a move just keep going and i just like burst into tears because i'm mm. like this is what it's all about yeah and those special moments would happen in the moments that i needed it the most mm. were you um on your phone and socials much during the run no nah, not on socials no like i would video yeah yeah but yeah. no, I wouldn't be checking socials or anything. That was just um, crazy. Yeah. The best thing I think on the social stuff is the recaps. Are, like, <laughs> some of the recaps are freaking hilarious. Like, yeah. And then, like, because you showed everything, like, you put yourself, like, very vulnerable state. Like, there's times where you're literally just sitting there, like, oh, legs up, <laughs> like, just, like, cooked, like, head over and, and what's in that wrong? Yeah. Rolling's still into you, and you're just like, yeah. And then you just like eating something. And then there's you running. Then there's you waving. And then there's like just everything. Like you put it all in. And I just loved the recap because it like felt like you were there. Like you could be like each. And like a few posts on like socials or LinkedIn or whatever. You're just like, you look at me like, you know, that was a sick day. Look at that. And she looks cool. But then she's so happy. It was like you, you could ride it with you. It yeah. was, um, yeah, I loved how you did. And that's one thing that I want people to see me as in life is like I never want to show up as this girl who achieved this run without the hardships that come with it. Definitely. And without the shit that I had to go through to get it. It's like the worst thing that I see on social media is people showing off in the highs and onwards showing the highs. Mm. It's, and then it's the comparison piece, right? Us as humans are quick to jump to comparison. It's just like, well, if she's got that and she did this, well, like, why can't I have that? But then sometimes we forget what they've actually gone through to get there as well and it's like that is a really re- relatable part is people relate to the hardships and the struggles and it's like and on the flip side some people just want to see you struggle at the end of the day mm. so it's like you can put that so 
tell you put that mask on and if everyone else in the behind the scenes you something else or you just completely take it off and in every situation that's who you are exactly and then it doesn't matter which side of you they see this quote is real yeah and it's like i've accepted that i am a girl who's got a life together all the time i thought i should sort of know this but i've accepted that yeah i've got my dark sides and yeah i've got my vulnerable my weak sides too so i can show that and i can show that which i felt was the most like don't get me wrong you running 1600 is powerful incredible inspiring right 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 but for me what watching take my not taking part but following the journey the biggest thing that i found out of it that was the most inspiring was that piece was you opening yourself up being vulnerable not just around certain people to everybody you weren't just showing the good bits you weren't just showing what was the easy parts you were showing like yourself in a vulnerable state and showing who you were and you were posting on the socials mm. it wasn't like oh i'm, not, I'm just going to post myself you know looking good in the run you know everything going well you're like when you're dead, you're posting that. When you're feeling good, you're posting that. When you're eating whatever it was, you're feeling that. If you're getting something from the community, you're doing that. And then you were oh, I'm crying, showing images of that. Like you were showing good, the bad, the hard. Like it was incredible. And I think that was probably the most inspiring thing that I found and the most enjoyment. Like I was more enjoyed seeing the yeah, I was like, proud of you running. It's like, I thought, no, she's going to do that. But I loved watching the video of you crying or the video of The you. real parts. Yeah, the, the real raw parts. And that's why I wouldn't sit if you had like a mic on you the whole time or <laughs> yeah. just something behind the scenes because that, you, you, you showed some, you showed a lot of it, but imagine all of that. Like, I think that was, I feel that's what's going to be the inspiring part out of it. That's just my point of view. Yeah, and to me, my whole life, vulnerability has been a strength. But now I see it as there's two types of vulnerability. Like there's be vulnerable and show up online, but be vulnerable and show up online when you've integrated it, when you've moved through it. That's one stage. But then to open up to a mate, to open up to Rowan and be like, hey, I'm not okay today. Can we have a conversation? That is a different type of vulnerability. And that is a strength right there to say to your mate, hey, I'm not okay. Can we have a chat? Because it's so easy nowadays to jump online and say, oh my God, I'm so sad. Like this is what's happening. And then you get the likes, you get the like comments, you get the shares. It's not about that. And it's like you get all that and then you instantly feel good. And then 30 minutes later, it drops off and you yeah. stop getting it and you feel shit again. Yeah. It's like if you actually just open up to a mate and say, I'm not okay, can we have a conversation? That feel good is feeling the endorphins. It carries you through. Yeah. So it's like showing up online, but also having the courage to say, you mate, I'm not okay. And then even like, and us all seeing you in that vulnerable state, like, kind of like once you like, put the phone down, you're like, oh, you, you acknowledge that. And then you kind of like, you're able to, they're able to see that themselves and be like, oh, now, like, they, it's like permission for them to open up in their lives. So you've inspired them to do the same, in mm -hmm. a sense. And I just still can't believe how many I've inspired, I guess, and I don't think I've ever really Oh, you won't know. No. But it's like, I had messages like seven year olds were watching it. And the parents were opening up to the seven-year-olds being like, this is why she's doing this run if you want to feel this way. But then on the flip side, I had nine-year-olds watching it. And I'm like, well, like, I thought it was just going to be this demographic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I I told my mum about it. I told my sister. And I was like, 
oh, who's that mum? Go check this out. I like, sent her one of the reels. I was like, how incredible is this? Is what she's doing. Um, and then I saw my sister, and then my dad was like following it. And then I was like talking to my dad on the phone. And uh, he was already been up to it. I was like, Dad, I should just watch this video. You, you got to watch it. Like, this, this amazing girl is running from here to here. And then like, me and Tom have talked about it. And then the work group talked about it. So that's like my, my, my mum and dad are 50, my sister. So everyone you know. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, but like, and then you've got like folks our age, like and girls our age, like 23, 24, they're talking about it. And it's like, it's everyone. It's not just, you haven't just inspired like 17 year olds, 15 year olds. You've literally inspired all generations. And that was the thing for me at the end of the day. Like the fundraiser, yeah, that's one thing. But to me, it's like the conversations that I had that followed were the biggest thing. And yeah. like, that's where the true impact is. Um, yeah. That's why I was curious before when I asked if you're on social or because uh, you can see that you interacted with like the nine year olds and the elderly as well. Uh, that's why I was asking before if you had anyone say that you maybe like idolize you, like you look up to, like had been in contact with you at all. Because, yeah. I mean, oh, like, I don't know. Is, did, did anyone do that or like come to mind? Yeah, yeah. And I still have those messages floating in and they're just, yeah, they're beautiful to see and they're beautiful to read and witness and stuff as well and it's cool to be able to inspire that yeah um any names we might know might need a shout out <laughs> i can't even think of them right now but um yeah there's definitely definitely many out there and even um i had like a i was just sitting down one night and i was like no i'm actually going to go back through the donations and respond to everyone i didn't have the intention of responding through everyone but i was just reading some of the comments in there and i was just like that is just insane like some of the comments of how I've inspired them to either get into running or that they've lost a friend to suicide or family members that have been affected by it and then they've seen what I'm doing with the run. And there was this one lady, um, she put in a donation and then she said, I still remember the moment where you were working at Macca's. Hold your Macca's, get a heart. <laughs> <laughs> where you were working at Macca's and you literally just generally asked me, how are you today? Are you doing okay? And she wasn't. And then I had a conversation with her and she still remembers that moment like 10 years ago. And I'm just like, that's insane. Like, to read that message, it just brought so much gratitude that in life it's not about what you know or who you know, it's about people will remember you of how you make them feel. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, to me that just comes so natural, but for her it had a massive impact on her life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice and the q and is that, did you do you two? Yeah. Two q Yeah. I was like, um, tuned back and you just see, like, because I'm going to do a few nights. I don't know how many. You might have like five or ten suggestions. But then it was just like freaking hundreds of messages of keep going. I'm loving watching it. Like, you're doing so good. It was just like support, 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 support. It was. I was like, guys, I want to ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> I want to answer questions. <laughs> Even that stuff. And, yeah, but you talk about the fundraising. So we, we talked about 20 Talk and, and Blue Tree. Why are those two? Like, why are they involved? Um. I literally was scrolling on TikTok one day and then 20 Talk come up and I was like, what is this? And I just went down the hole of their socials and I was like, wow, their stuff is so relatable. Yeah, like, so who special. are they? What are they doing? And I was like, this is super cool. And for me, like, if I had have come across that page when I was 12 years old on social media, it would have made a world of difference. So I was like, I want to help these guys out as much as I can. And then getting to know um, Leighton, just, yeah, I was like, let's help him. And then Kendall. For the blue tree project like blue tree will always have a special place in my heart and they always pop up at the times that i need it most as well mm -hmm. especially when i was working away on site and i'm really a big 
supporter of people who turn their pains to their purpose in life and Kendall lost her brother but a week before he took his own life they went out and played a practical joke in their parents' backyard and painted a tree blue. And yeah. for me, I'm like, for her to take something so small like that and to have the biggest impact in Australia, that, that just hit home so much when I heard that story. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's help her. Love that. Yeah. Now, so what are you going to do with them now? Do you, do you continue to do stuff with them now or what's the plan from here? Yeah, for sure. Plan from here for the next four months is just me chilling um, and enjoying a little bit of life. And... Yeah, for the next phase is just for me is all about connections and relationships. Um and then we'll start training again for something next year. Mm. But yeah, definitely still in the mental health space, definitely still working on the solution project and Yeah, they're um we love what they do. We've had Kendall on the pod. Um and I love that they're perfect for charities too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um yeah, I mean I see Lockie around a fair bit of unions also we often connect and we're good mates outside of our workplaces and I love what Leighton's doing as well. Like, um, yeah, just looking forward to what they have done in the future and, and they, they inspire us so, as well. It's crazy how when you start hanging around people like that, it's just like everyone inspires you. Yeah, yeah, especially in that same field. Yeah. But your own stuff, your own empowerment journey, coaching, touch on that. Because that's going to be, I guess, now you've got your mind, you're going to dive more into that. Yeah. So, yeah, run us through explain that and how people can I guess connect with you and because I know you've already done some before the run you already did that stuff but mm-hmm. yeah you gotta what's the plan with that now yeah definitely um more workshops with it and to me it's about building a safe space for females to come to feel heard seen and to dream big yeah. because I know myself growing up like I want to do all these dreams dreams but I never have the support around me so I want to create these spaces for females to come and feel seen that it's not too much and nothing's too big because anything's possible when you believe in yourself. Sounds so cliche, but it truly is. It's true, yeah. When you have that supportive network around you to hype you up as well, like you've got to be your own number one hype girl through and through. But if you've got that support network around you, like you can literally achieve it so much faster. Like as we're saying at the start of the potty, I knew I wanted to do something like this when I was 13 years old, Mm. but it took me 27 years to finally actually do it. Let's go. Yeah. So, yeah, the spaces will be like holding workshops in schools, and it's just all about empowering the girls to step into their dreams. Yeah. And also building the confidence, resilience, and leadership that you need to have with like what comes with pursuing your dream. Well, with you even doing that before the run, and like you had already got that started, and and you were passionate about it back then as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then even after doing the run, how do you think? you'll be able to apply, like, I guess, becoming and comparing book before and book after the run and, like, how you're going to be able to, like, work that together. Just because I'm, like, I, I still feel like I'm just a girl who just showed up. I just showed up every single day for myself. I showed up every single day with the attitude of just one more and I didn't let any blockage stop me from pursuing my dreams. And it's, like, it doesn't matter if it's a big challenge or a small challenge. If you break it down, you can literally achieve anything. Um, so yeah, I had some stuff set up before and now it's just like, well, kind of like look what I've been able to achieve and help others achieve, not the same thing, but their dreams. Yeah. yeah. And the, um, I just, you just, I start thinking and imagining like where you go with it. I'm just like a massive slogan saying like, yeah, girl. Sorry, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, 
you start doing workshops here, then people will know, you see your story. You can literally and it's, go through it. We talk about the healing journey as well because I'm a big believer, like, again, if you're doing it from an ego, egotistical point of view, you ain't going to do it. You can crumble when something gets hard. But if you do the internal healing and if you understand the stories that we keep telling ourselves, we are programmed to believe. So let's rewrite our stories to what we actually want to believe and who we want to be. And like make our stories empowering for ourselves and like what who we truly are at our core and know our life values. And if we keep living by that every single day, then you will achieve your dreams. And you will achieve them 100% because they're yours. And you're not doing it to prove your mum wrong. You're not doing it to prove your brother wrong. You're not doing it for a like on Instagram or whatever it is. And it's like, it's so easy to get caught up in that world and the quick fixes. And everyone wants it now, now, now. And it's like, babe, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the highs and the lows as we spoke about. Like, I loved my training. I loved the run. And now I'm enjoying the come down. Yeah. <laughs> and all the emotions that pop up with it too. So while it's about dreaming big, it's about creating those safe spaces to come and feel into those emotions. Yeah. I need to hear. I actually need to hear that. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> My values. Mm-hmm. My values is. Huh? Do you have more than three? I have like ten. But I have <laughs> top three. Yeah, you got top three. That's what I love. <laughs> top three. Yeah. Um, health, wealth, and freedom. Why? Why, why are you trying Health, because I need to be the healthiest that I possibly can be to show up the best that I can be. Freedom. Is that for you and for others? Or? For me first and then for others, because if you don't look after yourself, you yeah. don't pop up, then, then you can't show up for anyone else. Um, freedom, because I'm a free spirit. I like to come and go as I please. I like to have control, but then no control, and discipline ties into that as well. Like, you've got to have discipline in life to have freedom. In life that you want. Exactly, yeah. And then wealth, because for me, if I have wealth, I get to be, to be able to provide for others. I get to be able to do big things like this, take time out of my business to go and do a run like this to help others in, in Australia or the world, wherever my kids help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because some people think we've heard wealth and like, oh, she just wants money. Exactly, but it's like when every money comes single one of those, sorry, don't cut you off, every single one of those was. To do things out of your health well, and yourself, but a lot of it tied back to service and giving to other people, friendship, country, and community. And it's all good and well to have values in life, but it's like, how do you live your values in yeah, your life? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I can actually be clear on them and like implement them in your day. Like every, every day. single day, and yeah. not just when it suits you, kind of thing. Mm. Not being like, I'm values driven. Oh, yeah. How are you showing health today? Yeah. Oh, so I, I value sleep. health, but I don't sleep. I drink alcohol and I don't do this. So, what do you value your health? And I'm totally okay if you don't, right? Yeah. It's just don't preach it or yeah, don't say you don't like, don't lie to yourself. Yeah, love it. Um, I know we kind of did deviate a little bit off the run, but I did just have one more question before we do wrap up. So, but like apart, oh, no, not apart, but like crossing the finish line would have just been a, just a surreal feeling. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would have just been the most enjoyable part, do you feel? Or It was really interesting, right? So I thought that I would cross the finish line and be like in a blabbering mess because, wow, I've just ran this far. But 
the final day was actually insane. Like the final day, I had to slow my pace down because I was too far. <laughs> and then Rowan's messaging me, slow down, slow down. So I walked into McDonald's, grabbed a bacon egg, sat down for like half an hour, had a coffee. I ran past Trig and I seen there was an art ex- exhibition on, so I went through the art show and then I just kept running. But by the time I crossed the finish line, because I had such an enjoyable day, I was able to um, reflect on the whole run. So when I crossed the finish line, it was literally just like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. I was like just in autopilot and that I forget that some people like who showed up. So I was so thankful for people who captured moments of the day that I can reflect back on because, yeah, there was parts where I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't remember yeah. that. But yeah, it was really cool. I just remember looking at my dad and being like, hey, dad, I ran 16 up case. And he's he just says like. that on the video. There's video of that, isn't there? Yeah. I swear I saying that. Yeah. And because he didn't believe that I was going to do it until I hit the 1,000K mark. I'm like, it took me to run 1,000Ks for you to believe me. But anyway. You so did it. I did it. You fucking did it. He kept me humble the whole way. <laughs> oh, like, we, I'm going to have to wrap this up because we've just got, you know, we kicked out the booth. But I could continue to touch on this for ages, but we might have to get you back in, honestly. Like, I'd love to get you in maybe six months' time before the next big journey. They like, don't. Obviously, in six months, you might have already revealed it, you might know it, but I'm really interested to see what you do close to front in terms of this next six months with how you, I guess, ignite and impact others. It's going to be really, really cool. But um, you got an event just really quickly. You want to touch on that coming up soon? Yeah, we got my celebration event. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, that's massive because I'm like, you need to celebrate yourself in life. And this is yeah. the first time I've ever sure. truly been celebrated. So I'm like, I can't wait to get wound up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, massive event. Um, it's, it's just a night to hear about the stories of the run, see see some of the behind the scenes clips that no one's seen before yeah. of those moments um, when Rowan's got the camera in my face and I'm pointing the death on. Yeah, and it's just about hearing the stories, hearing the charities as well, and just having a dance. Love that. Love a good boogie. Mm. Yeah. Well, to wrap it up, unless you've got any more, that's it. Unfortunately, we have to wrap it up because we could continue this for hours. But one question we always like to end the potty on is who's someone in the last week that's really helped you out? Or are you really grateful for? Wow, that's a hard one. Um, I'd say my good mate, Matt. Yeah. He's been there to hold me accountable when stuff is getting out there. Like, and I just want to sabotage. And step back and be like, no, it's all too hard. He's held me accountable to keep pushing me on. I haven't actually said this before. I don't think you have either. But I want to say myself, like in the last week or two, like I have actually just been kind of just really backing myself in and like things are like looking a lot better and just like not being really just navigating that. So yeah, I'm good myself. I think I'm back you up on that, mate. Like you've done sorry, it's gonna be a little I'm glad you said that because I've noticed massively like you're back into your running, you're back into your fitness, you're back into your uni, you've got that good balance, you're loving switched on, your foundation. Like, yeah, thanks, man. I love that. You feel, I feel like you're back to like you. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, I love man. how you said that. Yeah. One is, yeah, we will go But one is, and Brooke, you know her very well, I think. Susie, and um, we just like we went for like a, a walk the other week, and she's just been a really good sounding board for me, um, especially this last week. Like constantly chatting, she's like a 
سوراخ رزدانی مامتون طرف من stuff for saying thank you for taking the time to come and talk to me and Bray. Really appreciate it. And um yeah, I just wanted to like spread it to our listeners and um hope you can it's the same on your side as well because I think they really value this um conversation. Um some of the things that yeah we just we talked about this like in depth, get more context around yourself and the run. It has been awesome. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a review, all that jazz. We love your support and we'd love for you to continue supporting us. If you want more info and want to know what we've got coming up, please head to our Instagram, chuck us a follow. And even check out our website for more episodes, resources, recommendations, and lots, lots, lots more. Links are attached in the description below. Cheers.